0: Welcome to episode 149 of the Canadian Prepper podcast. Uh, we're recording February the 13th, 2022. My name is Eric, host of the show, based in Southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, and radio operator, and of course, computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events and started a small preparedness company to help people better prepare for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Hi, I'm Scott, first responder from Ontario.
1: I like learning things and I worry about our fragile infrastructure.
2: And I'm Jeff. I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, and general overall handyman.
0: All right, we've got uh, Mike joining us this evening. Uh, He is a uh, master generalist, more so than a specialist, teaches workshops in uh, cabin tiny home design, uh, divides his time in Ontario's woodlands, and uh, likes diving into projects that are uh, over his head and uh, digging his way out of those so that uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, the main reason he's here today is to chat uh, along about um, his walk across Canada. So if you want to help support the show yeah. and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air, you can buy some swag. We've got the, uh, the Canadian Prepper podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch at uh, prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, all the proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled.
2: And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or just if there's a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All
0: right, so we've got some uh, high endurance content for you in this episode. We're going to start off with some uh, recent news articles. We'll update you on what we've done for our uh, preparedness since the last episode. Then we'll get into the main topic of a walk across Canada. So we'll move into the news. Uh, so first off, there is some protests going on. I'm sure everybody is fully aware of what's happening uh, all across Ontario and a couple other provinces in Canada. Um, they're happening. Be aware of them. We're not going to get into the politics behind them because that's just not what we're here to talk about. So keep your heads on a swivel if you're in the areas and uh, be safe out there. And that's all we're going to say about them. Expect the lace, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, expect some empty shelves, but hey, it is what it is uh, So I've got an article here from uh, City News I'm sure everybody who's been out and about if you went to put gas in your vehicle you had uh, Sticker shock shall we say? Uh, right now record gas prices and they're probably going to continue to rise Toronto right now is around a dollar sixty. Uh, I had a friend send me a picture from White River They're a dollar seventy-five for regular Uh, rumor is we could be getting close to or nearing the $2 mark by early summer. So, again, not much you can do, but just be aware. Walk. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. (laughs) And also, uh, I got another article here. It's from the New York Times, but it's kind of all over the Internet. Uh, So, SpaceX deployed 49 uh satellites uh decided to do it during or very shortly before a uh geomagnetic storm and 40 of them have been lost and are expected to uh i guess come back to earth at some point and be destroyed in the atmosphere so uh yeah it's kind of interesting they should be paying attention to uh to that kind of stuff before you spend i don't know what the it was Three point something million dollars, I think, was the cost of those 40 satellites that are now gone.
1: Well, uh, I think a couple of us had picked up on that article because it's a very tangent example of paying attention to that space weather and our very fragile society can be impacted by these things. And I'm sure when they scheduled it, uh, the storm caught them off guard, but it's uh, an expensive whoops.
3: You're and to get, and, and uh, I mean, and, gas you know, those, those
2: those storms affect more than that. They affect the radios, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a ham radio or whatever. And, uh, you know, could, I guess, affect, affect cell phones and whatever too. So, yeah, it's not not just the satellites, obviously.
0: Yeah, that's poor timing on on launch, though. That kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um.
1: Ukraine is still a thing. Uh, The tension in that part of the world is still going on, and several countries have moved their embassies out of Kiev into other parts of the country. So uh, I think everyone's kind of expecting the worst.
2: Yeah, they were were saying, I I heard it this afternoon, that it, I, I don't know, I just don't like it when they just keep throwing stuff out. But you know, in the fear mongering, whatever, but they're saying a lot of people are saying they expect something to happen within the next uh, four to seven days. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen this week. They're saying,
0: yeah, that's uh that, that's definitely something that's going to get interesting and hopefully it doesn't get too interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, shall we Oops. move into what we've done lately for preps? So unfortunately we had a loss in the family
1: uh, it was a very good reminder that there's the end of the world as we know it, and then there's the end of your world as you know it. Uh, we talk a lot about massive power outages and uh, civil unrest, but there's also big family emergencies, medical diagnoses your your company goes under. uh so it's just sort of a little poignant reminder about these things. Uh, I appreciate the help from my mag, uh, including some friends here. Uh, so thank you, guys. Yeah, we're sorry for your loss.
2: Yep. Uh, I just did uh, the monthly test on my generators. Uh, everything is uh, well so far, hopefully. And just replanted some of my fuel stock.
0: Uh, for me, we just uh, did the stock up of the big deep freezer here because prices are just going to do nothing but go up, assuming there's things to buy in the store, but you uh, stocked everything up and did all that. And besides that, it's going to work, work, and more work. Mike, right, anything to add to the list for preps or you want me to move Prep?
3: on? Uh, more house repairs than anything else. Uh, kind of a stitch in time saves nine kind of thing. Uh. I always thought that was, like, about something that was, like, time travel or something. I didn't really understand what that expression really meant. And it makes so much more sense now. It's about, like, mending your clothes before they go erect. But I, I thought it was, like, some sort of, like, Stephen Hawking. I didn't really understand. But, yeah, it mean, you know those things you learn, like, way, way, way too late is yep. one of those. Yeah. I nothing nothing really specific this week I can think of. I didn't really do any canning. Fair enough. But, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. Nothing wrong with that.
3: Right. Uh, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. you can't do prep work all every single week. It's just not realistic. It's not going to happen.
3: Nope. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not kind of a general preparedness kind of human.
0: Sure. Yeah,
3: yeah, we, we respect rolled a little bit. Nothing wrong with that at all. I think my backpack I get made fun of all the time for being <laughs> way too heavy for just like what did you got in there? Like it's just it's just what it weighs. It always weighs fifteen pounds.
0: Don't ask uh, questions. There's, <laughs> there's stuff in the backpack you don't need to know about.
3: It's
0: yeah, fine. <laughs> All right, shall we move into the main topic then?
1: So last week we had a good chat about ruck marches. Uh, and in the event of a major emergency, we know we always have walking as a fallback option. A while ago, we uh, we had reviewed the book 77 Days in September. Uh, just to, as a quick summary for anyone who doesn't remember the uh, book club that uh, that week, a uh, guy gets stranded several states away from home uh, during an EMP event and basically has to walk most of the way across the, the United States to get home. Uh, so we sort of figured, yeah, hey, let's find a subject matter expert on this who's been crazy enough to walk across the entire country. Uh, so hence, here is Mike. So hey. <laughs> uh, Mike, you walked from Vancouver to Halifax because you had forgotten your car keys
3: yeah, is that right? Not good with keys.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, what was the price of gas when you walked across?
3: was no, my spring mind, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah know, the price of gas was probably like seventy six. Like
1: <laughs> oh, the <laughs> good old days.
3: <laughs> it was like last year though, too, right? It was like <laughs> seventy six as well, or something bananas. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I did that um, just after you know I did school, and it was it was set in my head. There was no like you know, questioning this. This is just like, it, a, it set in my head with something I'd planned on doing for about a four year period. So it was just, there wasn't really any second guessing the act of doing it. It was just, that was what was going to happen. And uh, yeah, started, started getting ready. Yeah. Mentally four years ahead and then worked for another eight months after school to kind of get off all my debts and started out, uh, started out West. So it it sort of sets out, thinking it's going to be one thing and it doesn't necessarily didn't look anything like I first thought it might, but it's um, kind of got to go with the flow a little bit as a, as it happens. So, but there was a lot of, I don't know, where we're we going to start with all this. Oh, geez. So you guys, no.
1: you, you found someone else crazy enough to walk with you. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> good for you guys. Uh, <laughs> you guys were totally self-supported. You had your two big backpacks uh, yeah. Your shoes, a lot of guts and determination, uh, yeah. and you, you started out. Um, I mean, we'd love to hear about how your walk evolved from, you know, day one in Vancouver, dipping your toes in the Pacific, to the things you learned along yeah. the way, the water problems, the chasing bears, the kidnappings, whatever you... So when you started, how heavy was
3: your pack? Way I was, it was way too much. It was so much. I was, and I laughed because I did see this, um, what's that Reese Witherspoon movie where she like hikes the Pacific Crest or Pacific Crest Trail, Continental Divide? I don't know. One of those. I should know this. (laughs) You guys don't know this? No. It's in pop culture. Oh, Somebody's here yelling on the internet feed, I'm sure. But uh, there's not, a scene yet, where original. she's like putting on a backpack and it's so heavy, she's going to like have it on the ground and like put it on, like get into it on the ground and like turn over like a turtle. And like, you get, that's how my life started. Uh, I learned things as I, <laughs> after things went on. But there was a, there's prep kind of that went into it before we even left. Like uh, we decided. We're trying to figure out math, like how long this might take. We want to start as early in the season as possible. So this is looking. We're gonna start from Vancouver. It's warmer there in the more. I guess spring comes early, and uh, we we'll, we started uh, very end of February. So what this was gonna mean, though, is we're gonna be in the mountains uh, still through the end of winter um, and into this early spring, um, and that was going to be a lot of snow. So we did, we start with an avalanche course because coming from Ontario, we don't know squat about avalanches and, uh, the trail we originally setting out on was going to be going through like mountain passes, uh, old railway lines. And that, that changed, uh, as we went along, but it did start with avalanche training and um, we learned a lot from it. Uh, we dial back our expectations in the route a little bit. Um, but yeah, there was there was stuff that went in ahead of time, but it was just for us. It was just something we thought would be great to do. And it wasn't like a, it was a fundraising trip or anything. It was just a trip. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely. Even the first day, the first day had nothing. Like, did not go, <laughs> did not go as planned. It started in the morning, fine. Uh, Pacific, uh, we're starting the harbor in Vancouver. And West Van, and was gonna start with, uh, it's called the Baden Powell Trail. It's now originally when we, part of the, what inspired this whole trip was they're gonna do the Trans Canada Trail, a, a, a trail network from coast to coast to coast was being constructed. And it should have been ready for the centennial. Um, it wasn't, uh, not even like mostly. <laughs> so, and, uh, So it started, it was going to be a lot of like backcountry hiking and it's uh, very quickly figured out like we will not make the miles. And it was, we're kind of talking pre-GPS, pre-cell phones, pre-internet. Well, there's internet, but like, you know, ask Jeeves internet. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) it's, uh, yeah. You downloaded your
0: uh, your music list from Napster then, I take it?
3: Yeah, no, there's no down like there's nothing to download to. That was one of the things. We'll we'll talk about like what you carry. Uh, that was there's uh yeah, there was still Napster, but I didn't like you <laughs> did there's no MP3 player, there's no iPod. Uh I was carrying a mini-disc player, actually. This was music was important to me. Yeah, as a sort of weird format of like micro CDs. Um if you really need your music though, it seemed like a logical thing because <laughs> who can afford a you know, a 64 megabyte MP3 player, not me. Uh, <laughs> not rich. So, um, yeah, so it started and we were going to, we're hiking trails start going right into the mountains, got lost uh, pretty much right away. Uh, <laughs> and we realized we had to, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to fly. It was, there's the roots were there's was already washouts and things, and uh, we would need to turn around and find. We'd have to stick to the road at least in the beginning. Uh, so we started on the highway and uh, started working our way towards Hope, uh, which is just up the Fraser Valley, heading towards uh, the mountains. So still kind of spring-like, and yeah, started from there, and then the trip kept uh, kept evolving. Uh, I guess we talking to people was really the biggest benefit that saved us saved our asses <laughs> huh.
1: so what was the first piece of equipment you shed realizing there is no benefit to this it is just ballast
3: oh my god well i didn't shed anything until maybe three weeks in and uh so i just lived like a turtle like if i fell well you gotta roll over into your hands and knees and get back up again <laughs> or if you had to take your pack off but i was you know 24 at the time and my knees were hurting like my knees i would be taking preemptively popping like ibuprofen at noon taking it again at the end of the day just because my knees were hurting and my pack probably weighed about our packs were like 80 pounds now uh, that's that's a lot of weight uh that's to be a ton of weight it's a way too much i i I had way too much, you know, into what I ditched here. Um, first, we decided we weren't going to hike further into the bush. Uh, we chatted with a guy in Hope, BC. We we're going to go to this eleven-day stint through this old abandoned railway line and to hit this one little town. And we were chatting with a local guy at the Dairy Queen in Hope, and he was talking. We were talking about this town. I have maps laid out on the table. He's like, I've been there once, like in an ATV, but like. There's no store. Uh I was like, oh my God. I'm glad I didn't walk seven days expecting to reload and be screwed because it's another nine days to get out of here. Uh so there is that we uh we learned from. So chatting to the locals helped. And we um met our first real like we met another guy out in uh where we really started where the, the walk really changed for us was uh hiking through this section. We decided to stick to the road, which seems like out of bananas. But if you're on the TransCanada through the mountains, a car goes by like every couple of minutes and then it's just bush again. And at nighttime, there are no cars. And uh, so it actually feels more like a trail than anything else. And uh, I kind of came across this one sort of ski resort place uh, in the mountains. There's nothing there for about 60 kilometers. And there's this, all of a sudden, there's this nice resort. And staying there, I was... We decide to stop for lunch, and the waiter is like, "What are you guys doing? You know we're we're walking across the country and he's like, "Oh, hold on, there's somebody we need to talk to, and he just is gone and then, uh, right on the way out, we met this guy who rolls into the booth and he's like, "Hey, he's like, "You guys walking across Canada?" I'm like, yeah, and he's like, "I did that. What I've been looking and asked Jeeves for." years <laughs> trying to find anybody i i no record like i i can't, i figure like somebody goes across every year but i had i could not find anyone and here i am a few weeks in i two weeks in maybe and i meet this guy tay uh who had done it years before and he's we stayed up with him that night and uh he looked at how he you guys are carrying way too much <laughs> so this is where things really changed and uh so what we did is uh well, we are having an evening together. We have this sort of hostile kind of thing. We dumped all our stuff. He's like, dump everything on the ground. Dump it all out. Everything. Put it all in a big pile. And he's like, before you put anything into the keeper pile, you have to show me what that is. Uh, and then I'll tell you if you can keep it or not. Uh, it's like, okay, fair enough. We started going through our stuff. And uh, I remember... Picking had a stick of deodorant with me, and I held it up, and he looks at me, and he's like, do you really want to be the first person to walk across Canada with deodorant? (laughs) I guess not. And he's like, can I have it? (laughs) <laughs> so I was like sure. And like so I think the I think many items got passed as like, you're not gonna carry that, are you? Like, no. He's like, Can I have it? Sure. <laughs> so we kinda had like this pile of keeper and a pile that went to him. And what we did ditch, we were carrying for avalanche safety, we had uh poles, um, transceivers, snowshoes for this different kind of hiking we were gonna do, and all those got ditched and uh We took an 80 pound pack and we dropped it to somewhere, I don't know, probably around 45 pounds, which was a lot more human. Uh, cause we were making about 13 kilometers a day, uh, 13 to 15 kilometers a day at that point, which was not enough. And you're limited by your feet. Your feet are mashed at the end of that, uh, day. So what we really learned and what I came to really think about because you've got time, think. Uh, While well, you're just walking all day, this is this is like an eight k, an eight month journey. So you're, you know, you can only talk about so much together, and then you got a lot of time that's pondering your head. What you're thinking about is like, what else? What else could I ditch? Uh, I, I need to ditch a little bit more. And it, I don't know if there's like a, a formula. It's like a kind of an imperial metric formula, but like for every pound you could ditch out of your pack, you can go another kilometer. At the end of the day, before your feet were done. Um, so we had kind of whipped our packs down to about 33 pounds um, later in the trip. And that was a pretty, pretty smooth 33, 35 pounds, maybe. And that was, that was doable. That was a good weight. Um, but we are, we are way too heavy going in. Wow. A lot of mistakes. I had a didgeridoo. I was really into this. I was like, this PVC didgeridoo I thought I'd needed. Dummy.
2: i'm I'm assuming your your sort of nighttime accommodations or whatever was just a tent you just picked up wherever
3: you ended up stopping and yeah that's exactly it um we just had a tent that we shared it was uh like a two-person you know at the time it was like an eight-pound tent which is fairly lightweight um and yeah we just that was our our shelter for the Hmm. for the evening and just generally speaking you know, finding somewhere to sleep at night was not a big deal. Especially it wasn't a big deal at all till maybe Ontario, uh, southern Ontario specifically, when you start rolling into like Passau, St. Marie, uh there's more people, but it's it seems unreal that like for the rest of Canada, like you're in a city or a town, and then you leave that town it's bush. Uh and there's you could there's lots of places you can sleep, like uh, if you, you can get picky in some a lot of areas too like northern Ontario you're like this lake's okay but you know <laughs> I uh I have a feeling if we go a little further we can get a really great spot you know it's a gamble it's uh, yeah sleeping was a definitely thing but then as you get to the more urban areas like you had to get a little more creative and get into this uh take down your set up your tent last and take it down first um situation just You don't want to have a tent sticking out somewhere. So there were a couple times I'd, you know, sleep uh, behind a carpet factory or I don't know what it was. (laughs) It's a little more urban than I thought. I think one of the big changes, yeah.
0: I was going to say just trying to kind of mix in and not be seen for the
3: night. Yeah. When I started, it was really thinking like I was trying to, I thought I need to try and stay in campgrounds and like designated places. It's really hard to plan all that. And especially, you know, you don't make as many miles each day as you set out to necessarily. Um, you don't really know until you're doing it. And I tried to stay in this campground early on and it was pouring rain and the season hadn't started. And I was like, guys, you know, like, I'll pay you to sleep in this flooded pool of water. It's fine. And i are like, Nope, sorry. Right. Yeah. It's, you got to find somewhere else. And there's like, I don't know where to stay. And, uh, I ended up so I sometimes you knock on a door and uh, I actually um, I, I knocked on a door and as a, a reserve that night I, uh, I met these guy this guy there and he sent me over to the band office and um I think Les was his name and we were chatting with him a bit and he's like yeah it's like any we they've done some marches like long distance hikes and with as a group like uh, cross country and. He said, you know, anyone doing this is a friend of ours. And he's like, you can stay under the bridge, but on our side. And if anyone gives you a hard time, somewhere to go. So I stayed under a bridge, like, really early on. And that just set a tone. <laughs> that, <was> like, yeah. <laughs> that changed, like, the whole my standards of where I'm sleeping. Bridges became, like, I don't even need to fly on tonight. What a dream. Um, and <laughs> if you think about it, it's it's somewhere that's going to be dry 90% of the
2: time. Yeah. I mean,
3: Dusty, uh, because it's yeah. dry all the time. But apart from that, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be dry. It's not it's not a bad spot. I can see why people stay there. Uh, Did you ever so, run
2: into anybody else that was staying there?
3: Under the bridge? Uh, I didn't really stay under bridges a lot. Uh, a couple times, uh, maybe. Uh, it wasn't my preferred place. I, I prefer to be off the road, like. Huck in the bush, you know, out of eyesight, you're in around a corner, you spot a little clearing in the bush or um I don't know a little ledge or a shelf or something kinda out of the way where people don't even know you're there uh and then you're gone the next day you carry on, so that was a preferred spot versus like like a bridge, too much going on under a bridge mm. uh typically, unless it's pouring rain, and you know you just started and you're lost and you're looking for. <laughs> Friends, so yeah, uh, that, uh I don't even know what are we talking about. Good lord!
0: Well, go. Why did he let it? me on this show? I'll, I'll spin, <laughs> spin that in into a question. <laughs> I'll spin into a question. Then uh, we got one in the live chat here from Kyle. Uh, he just is asking if you were able to keep your feet dry and um, how are were
3: able. Yeah, to do that. you know, Kyle, I was like thinking about this. Like, what do I? What do you talk about? What's most important? And the feet dry thing is huge so it's people ask like what kind of shoes what kind of boots do you wear and it really depends on what you're doing like you can get away with running shoes if you're not carrying a whole whack ton and it's not going to be you know too technical terrain your feet get wetter uh, in a running shoe than a boot um so i i prefer a boot something waterproof um ish like is that a gore-tex line boot which i really like so that helps with the dry part what i'd also do is i'd wear gaiters. um gators if you don't know are kind of like a little shin wrap like leg warmers but like waterproof leg warmers if that's a thing um the idea though like when it rains like that rain would shed over the the top of your boot and onto the, the i don't know top of your foot i guess so like you wouldn't get if you have like regular pants or something the water's going to run down your leg and then like your boots outside can be waterproof but you'd have water running down your leg and filling your boots essentially from the inside so you know sometimes you do get wet feet but you can do those things to prevent it a bit the other part is because if your feet get wet you're getting blisters and life just sort of sucks so <laughs> i would say so what really worked for me and i this is like a six thousand kilometer walk and i had a blister few weeks in I had a, one of my pinky toe a little bit and like that was it uh for the whole thing so what I my magic trick was these like thin blue liner socks they almost look like a stocking you can get them at like I saw them at Mech had them like the mountain equipment co-op but I saw them also at Mark's work warehouse These like thin thin liner socks don't put them near the fire don't don't put them on a hot air register because they'll melt i've done it um <laughs> they're like they're, they're definitely synthetic and they're very thin so but you put those on and then you put your other socks on over top use something like a wool or a polypro or something like that's can get wet and it's not going to suck all the moisture out of your feet not well, it's like keep your feet soaked all the time and cold so those two things um But sometimes your feet still get wet so my system is i had like two pairs of socks for like the daytime like i could alternate and then one pair of socks that was just for bed um it never never saw a boot ever um so but sometimes your feet get you still get your feet wet it's pouring rain and they just they your socks get wet so my magic trick Getting your keeping your feet dry for the next day. Keep your socks dry, you know, after you've rung them out and all that stuff, but it's still rainy. It's been raining for, like, three days, and it's going to keep going. It sounds gross and terrible. I used to sleep in, like, kind of a tights, um, like a – I don't know. Or like, a spider – not like Superman, but, like, the tights of some sort. Anyway, long-term. you – Long uh, Yeah, so, like, a synthetic long jump. So, you take that wet sock, and you – you shove it on the side of your thigh um you lay it out flat on the sides of your thigh so putting a cold wet sock on the side of your thigh at nighttime does not sound very appealing but you wake up in the morning socks dry um and you got dry socks for the next day so like dry feet so important um and that's like a magic trick that just works and if you're really hooped, your boots are soaked i would like wear my socks and my boots Walk around and like sop and sop. I take my socks off, wring them out, walk in them for another like, you know, 50 feet, wring them out again and just keep doing that to like get them like pretty good. Um, so it's a good way to kind of pre dry your, your boots out if you end up in that spot. But yeah, dry feet are, are the key. And uh, that's, that's probably the best question, <laughs> like, for the best question in terms of gear and like what to, to do, like having dry feet is really like, is a, the biggest one.
2: Did your, uh, your boots last you the whole trip?
3: Nope. Um, you know what the That's funny cool. thing is though, I learned is like kind of an inside joke. People who did this hike, I met other people who did this as well, uh, two others. And, uh, they, one guy actually made a shirt with questions, like questions and answers on it because the, the first question was like, how many pairs of boots do you go through? <laughs> um, which I've never really thought about, but it's, it's a good question. And I did three pairs. Uh, you actually burn right through the the boots and they were, they were done. And one thing I didn't expect is my feet used to be a nine and a half and they became a 10 uh, on this hike, or they went to a 10 and a half and they're back to a 10, but I've never gone back to nine and a half status. Uh, they actually did grow and your feet did get, like when I say like, you, all I think of was like reducing your weight, you're you get to a point in the day you really just can't go any further. It's not even daylight limiting your time. It's just your feet are so mashed. I would almost need boots on if I stayed in somebody's house. I'd have to wear my boots to like go up and downstairs and like to walk around because like I couldn't walk uh, without them. So it's just kind of a, a weird time, but you know it's hmm. part of it. Uh, and they were okay the next day, but. You're not you're you're done at the end of the day. That's for sure. So we are sorry, we are
2: yeah. Sorry, did you have to carry your your other pairs of boots with you? Did you? Did oh you no. Kind of so have a pre thought out place you could stop and buy them, or how did that work? Out
3: yeah. Um. So we did uh, gear swaps. Um. So when we came out of the mountains, got to Alberta. I think spring was about there, and uh, I was maybe yeah. No, i know Alberta. And my mom was uh, working for the airline, so she flew out and uh, met us, and she carried all my summer gear, like all our summer gear she brought out with us. We gave her sort of swapped out some winter gear and had uh, a switch, a big switch um, around that time. Also bought her some extra things I didn't really, really need. Sometimes I mail home a care a care package was like, Four pounds because i'm like i'm not carrying this knife anymore what am i doing it's way too big so i ramble <laughs> like this is this is like a good pocket knife this is crazy <laughs> so, uh so you think you all you think about is like how you can make this lighter so um yeah and it depends what kind of hike you're doing if you're going to do something really like out there, if you're going to head like in like big canoe routes up or, or canoe routes but like big hiking routes up north or like be gone, gone like through these trails, there's not the luxury of stocking up at a town maybe every three days, which is about average. We'd run into something. There's a gas. I've become a connoisseur of shopping at a gas station. I can feed you not bad. Um, at any <laughs> gas station, they've always got dried rice and beans, uh, at a those Norris soup mixes to it, and, you know, that'll sustain you. And I ate a lot of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you're going to go on something a lot more remote like that, you'd need somebody's to mail you stuff and send stuff, general delivery. You can predict what town you're going to be in. Um, you can get, you can send something general delivery to a, a post office. You're going to be in white river and you're like, I think I'm going to be there around June 17th. Yeah tell somebody who cares to send you something, the uh, white river general delivery and you put your name on it. I didn't know this is the thing. And uh, yeah, you show up and you sh- give them your ID and they'll give you that package. And so huh. you can, yeah.
0: I didn't know that was a thing either. Yeah. No, I didn't. Know.
3: <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Right. It's a uh, kind of fun uh, to get mail when you're not, you have no business. You've never been to this place before, but you've got mail. Uh-huh. <laughs> so
2: i was gonna ask the same question kyle assets in the live chat there you know, <clears throat> what what did you do for food did you have some free yeah. stuff mres did you hunt at all for any food to nah. get that to that? Point? i caught a
3: fish or? once caught a pike uh fishing i didn't really have a lot of fishing gear and stuff um you know food was kind of there like because we we're walking on the trans canada highway for most of this even though like towns could be like 60 to 100 kilometers apart sometimes we are making about 33 kilometers a day in the summer so that's three days out we can get somewhere so we didn't need to like hunting would take a lot of time to like it's more if you didn't have an agenda like we had a we weren't taking days off um like fishing was sort of a happenstance thing like hey we can do a fish tonight and we've got this great spot in the Northern Ontario there's a lake right here it's summer. Um, but for the most part, no, we are, uh, oatmeal in the morning, those little packets, super boring because we did it so many times and, uh, you know, the rice and beans, let that soak, uh, let the beans soak in your analogy through the day slosh around in there kind of cut down on fuel usage, um, later in the day, cause they're kind of pre-soaked half cooked or like they're way cooked up. And, uh, so beans and rice, and then you add in something flavor, like in a packet, you can find. Throw that in, and then you'd have uh, little luxuries. Maybe you're in a town that, uh, and you get a can of condensed milk and a box of cereal, and the two of you mash or not condensed evaporated milk. That'd be super gross. That's way too sweet. Uh, you can kind of cut evaporated milk can half and half with uh, water, and then. You know, have yourself a bowl of cereal as a special little treat. Crush a box of Fruit Loops in one sitting. And uh, we eat <laughs> so many calories. <laughs> I was eating. I had the grossest stuff. Like, you're like, why would you do this? I would take a pita. And, like, I had these tubes, these, like, plastic tubes you can pack full of, like, peanut butter or margarine or whatever. Um, and then, like, a toothpaste tubes. And just you can squeeze stuff out. And I would eat peanut butter and butter sandwiches, uh, just to like get the calories in uh, <laughs> through the day. I didn't die from blocked yeah. arteries immediately, but I'm sure it's taken some years off the back end. So, so what did you
2: do for uh, for hydration, especially in in the summer, yeah. in the hot days? And I, I mean, you can't carry around liters and liters of water with you all the time. What was water is one uh,
3: of the main uh, things you think about for sure. You're thinking about in the day. Uh, how far are you gonna go? Where you're gonna sleep that night, and where you're gonna get your water? Those like, you've got food you've you're pretty good. you've got dry rations and stuff that'll you're good. but you can't carry three days of water, so you're gonna have to find it. So water would come from sometimes I'd i use I start with the filter, then I switched to just drops, uh, like those like two part act, active drops if I needed it from a river. Um, I'd sort of filter it through a bandana. I think now though they've got these like little UV sticks that would work great. Um, so sometimes I was getting from lakes, rivers up in northern Ontario, but typically like I'd I'd knock on doors um, a lot, and sometimes I'd be out in the prairies like where are you going to find water? You're in Mills, Saskatchewan, and it's just you can see you can see Regina, but it's like still like six days away uh (laughs) you know so maybe you knock on the door of like it's uh, a ranch or something and ask you know hey this is what we're doing can I fill up my water uh bottles and you know you 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 kind of knock on the door and you you back up a ways because you're out in somebody's place is not used to seeing people and maybe there's an outside tap or sometimes people are like yeah no problem and other times people are like a little timid about Someone just showing up out of nowhere, uh, the more rural you are. But people are generally really friendly, and I, I would rely on people. Um, and sometimes you ask that question, too. You're like, hey, so we're I can, while you're getting the water, you're also maybe having a little chat about, like, we still don't have a place to sleep tonight. I'm not asking – we don't ask to stay in people's places. But, like, hey, we're going down the road to desert any kind of bushland or, like, spot to sleep. And sometimes, like, oh, you can – our field ends, like, at the end of that knoll over there you can stay in a corner of a field it's fine like great um so got our water we got somewhere to sleep that night so we're doing good um but yeah water is a big a big piece and it had become a problem in a couple spots in ontario actually like where we we're like lake heavy you just you have water all the time and it switches from lakes to better rivers and they can be pretty far apart and there's one the dehydration was definitely taking in you get clumsy. And you're desperate. You've got that little sip of water left, but uh you're you s have drank out of some pretty suspect sources. Um filtered of uh been that's fine. But you got in the habit too of when you when you hit a tap, maybe it's in a you know, the uh the restaurant, like a little corner store restaurant or gas station, you ask like, hey, is the water okay? Uh drink out of here, like the school? Like because sometimes it's not potable. You you kind of take it for granted it is, but not always. So you might have to, but they might tell you where again. What to next town, Chapman? In the best water in the whole prairies. Yeah. <laughs> Done.
1: Um. So, what is popsicle money?
3: Oh. Oh yeah, forgot about that. Um. So when you're walking alongside the road, people like lose stuff out their windows of their cars. I don't know. I, you see different things like sometimes you find an old cassette tape. I'm sure like, people are listening to for like the fiftieth time in a row and like no more and just like whoosh, out the window and like, so I, I would come across those and you know what else you're gonna be reading the tape out and kind of imagining the song in your head, you know, on the tape player. So uh, I found somebody's wallet once at on the side of the road and like I, out in the prairies and I was like. Like it's the Kenora. I'm like, all right, I'll bring this to you when I get there. <laughs> right in the top. <laughs> um, Trade it for some water. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you, sometimes you find a you find a couple coins on the side of the road. So, I, popsicle money was like this of uh, this little pouch. Shannon had it on her hip, and we we find money at the side of the road. That was like the extra. We had no money. We were both broke. So you find $0.10, cents, $0.25, cents, maybe, maybe a loonie. I don't know if the toonie is part and parcel, just yet I think it existed. Uh, so occasionally find a coin here and there. Then we have this little pouch that you'd save up, and you can buy popsicles with it, a special treat when you can get to the gas station. I'm and, pretty uh, sure toonies existed when you did the walk. They did. And I, I, did, I do recall that. That was a thing. I remember hammering the center out of those ones. Like, hey, toonie, let's knock the center out. It worked now i'm out two bucks stupid (laughs) Uh,
0: we've got a question here in the live chat from pat uh just asking us in regards to dehydration and walking in general any cramping issues or any problem any problems stomach wise Um, with uh, grabbing water of the rivers and lakes and such
3: no problems the water lakes i didn't really i was pretty careful like i did take precaution i would Filter. There was, I did remember picking up one and I was just gonna use the drops. And I looked at them like, there's a lot of stuff like wiggling in here. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna run it through a bandana first, but I never That's really ran into me like, yeah, I'm gonna just give this a pre-filter <laughs> before I dump this chlorine drops in. Um, so I had no real issues there. In terms of dehydration though, wearing a hat is really key. A uh, wide brim hat is nice if you can do it. Something not too, that's a trap heat. I have this like leather hat that I wear now, but will be too hot for the summer. Something with a bit of a brim, keep your lid cool. And uh, that's a, a big part because you get used to being out whatever temperature you're in over time, I found. And we were hiking in maybe 28, 29 degrees Celsius weather. What's that? Fahrenheit? night, that at uh, 30, like 88, something like that. Sure. Close the, enough. The math. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, but it's hot and you're in the full sun. You're exposed all day. Just not a lot of shade. And, but we were fine. Um, but we took a week off in the middle and just to take a break when we got to Sudbury, the, you know, and then go back to Sudbury and carry on again. And I was in air conditioning for a week. And when I went back out, I instantly got heat stroke like the first day. Um, mm. so yeah just not used to it. I was soft um, from the air conditioning. So, but yeah, cramping and stuff like guts being off. Oh yeah. Once I got super sick. I was uh pumping water out of a river in PC just like uh, coming out of the Rockies near Fernie. And, uh, I was pumping water, Have you know, when you're filling up water, you drink a whole bunch. And as I still had a filter this time. I don't know. It was a very, I don't think it did viruses. Uh, because I was, I was drinking, other, I was pumping water, drinking, pumping water, drinking. And then you you stock up. Because you want to hydrate first, carry everything you can on your back, and then go. And uh, did that. And then started walking. And in this section, the river it just runs wide, right along the side of the highway. You're kind of following the river, uh, the valley. And I got about 500 meters up the road and there's this big bloated dead elk right in the middle of the river, uh, upstream from where we just filtered. I was like, I was not well, uh, for a period of time. (laughs) I was, I got really sick actually that night and, uh, I had a fever and it was, you know, minus 10 outside and you're in your sleeping bag and trying to sweat out a fever when it's out that is not pretty yes. uh we end up yeah it was a that was a long night uh yeah you know <laughs> things are going so well you're like oh that's not good and <laughs> i hope like, oh, there's no negative impacts and there there most certainly was um yikes yeah so i say yeah there was that one time uh thank you for reminding me and letting me relive <laughs> that a moment
0: <laughs> The moral of the story is check up river before you drink from it. Got it.
3: Check up river. We we're talking about dry feed and stuff earlier. I just touch uh, add on clothing. We used to wear polyesters were kind of a thing um, for base layer. I, I would say, make sure you're sticking polyesters for your base or like a, like something synthetic or wool. I would think even better. The advantage to wool is it doesn't stink. I smelled so bad. Like I would sometimes <laughs> go to stores this summer Oh yeah. I didn't have deodorant. I was hooped. And like, I certainly wasn't showering. And uh, so you'd hope for the lake experience once in a while, but I would sometimes go into stores and I would go in and like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And like, you're getting what you needed and apologizing profusely and like running out. It wasn't good. I think you might, Wool might help a little bit with that. But anyway, Uh, don't go in jeans.
1: I can attest how how much you smelled.
3: (laughs) Oh man, I'm sorry. And we were outside. I didn't even encounter you in the indoors. I uh
1: sorry. Oh when you got got kidnapped in northern Ontario.
3: Oh yeah. Have to remind me of this again. I'm fuzzy. I've uh (laughs) so um just uh I I
1: came up uh knowing you were doing the walk, knowing you in northern Ontario, came along the highway where I knew you'd be met you guys stole your packs parked oh, yeah. my car where we were going to go at the end of the day and then biked back to meet you yeah uh, and yeah i had to throw out the car we went to my uncle's house and uh he needed a plumber to uh like declog the drains with whatever it was it was shedding off you really? guys it's
3: was, it, it was horrific uh, <laughs> a lot of sloth uh <laughs> yeah. and hadn't exfoliated in a while uh yeah, I suppose, you know, that's going to back up any drain. <laughs> Sorry to your uncle's plumbing. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> I, uh, I, but I owe you one. I owe you a beer or two for that. Uh, yeah, being inside wasn't necessarily her strong suit. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we got a shower, though, and appreciated every moment of that. <laughs> uh, now, I know you guys
1: also had some interaction with wildlife beyond Dead Elk Up River. Uh, Was it Northern Ontario that uh, you're in the tent and something happened?
3: Uh, Yeah. uh, We didn't have like a lot of, I never really had too much of a negative encounter with wildlife. We did up in Nipigon though. We had just, we had restocked on food the day before just past Nipigon. And uh, we stayed in this little clearing that night. It's a little cool. And in the morning, like early, like first light, I can hear hiking Parker or Shannon walking around back from a pee or something. And then like she's pushing on the tent, like right up to my face, and then like letting off and like pushing the tent like right to my like touching my face and letting off. Like, what is she doing? And like I'm really dozy and I hear her walk around the tent to the other side, and I realize she's sleeping. Uh, inside the tent, and that must not be her. Um, So (laughs) so, it turned out it was a bear, and uh, I had a every day, every night, I would hang my pack, not in the prairies because we're going to sling your food bag up, Um, little trees, maybe a bush. I've definitely tried to find privacy behind a four-foot bush before. Um, But the... uh, I, one night in Ontario, I didn't hang my pack. Bam. There. <laughs> found me. Uh, and just scoops the whole food bag. Like, everything was in there. pots, pans, and all the food. And a loaf of rye bread tied right to the side. I got 907 gram loaf of rye, dense rye. And, uh, because we were living large. We just came back from a food shop. And, uh... It went, and the first thing we saw was, like, the food. It was the food. So I ran out of the tent, and I paused. I was like, nope, don't wreck your dry clothes. Don't wreck your dry socks. Run back in, put my wet, dampy day socks on, ran back out again. And the two of us, without really thinking about it, just like, we got to find this guy. And we started traipsing through the bush. You could see the wet grass where it ran in. And we shot into this into the edge of the clearing, into the bush. And like we saw, first of all, there's the bag, the rye bag. And it's been like 20 seconds. The whole loaf of bread was gone. Like this is a two pound loaf of bread gone. It's in 20 seconds. Not only did they get it, he figured out open the bag and eat the whole loaf by the time I got my shoes on. And uh, so we did this zigzag pattern going back and forth through the bush. Hiking forward, trying to find this yellow bag and this bear, without really pausing to consider it was a good idea. But he had our stuff. <laughs> uh, so after about forty-five minutes of looking, we were about to give up. We were about to give up, and I was like, "I'm not putting in my journal today that I lost the food." And all the cook like then we were like, what are we gonna even cook with anymore? Like the, everything's in there. And I, I spotted it, I spotted yellow, and I got there, and the the bag had the kind of a Kevlar kind of dry sackness to it. And it opened the top of the bag, eaten all the cookies in the top, and hit a frying pan, and had troubles getting through the frying pan, I guess, around the frying pan, and when we showed up. So got the food bag. I ate all the cookies that were on the ground, all the bits of cookies, just pound them in the face, came back with the disappointing news. The bear got the cookies. Um, but I like could we got the bag. Uh, <laughs> so it could have been much worse. But, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> sometimes that happens. <laughs> at the time,
2: it sounded like a good idea. And later... It seemed like a
3: great eat. idea at the time. But like, neither of us, yeah. like, going we hesitated we for there? a moment. Yeah, maybe not we stopped and like oh we should maybe get our hiking sticks and then like we went back with our stick is that all so, and then when we were packing up the tent we we're rolling up the bear came back in the clearing and it looked at us and we looked at the bear and we're like ah you, bastards, you got the rest of it and we looked at the bear like you got the bread and it deals a deal and like we just went our own ways and it was okay <laughs> Uh oh. you know now, uh
1: i um, know you also met a lot of very cool people along the way and learned a lot of things yeah um i you're telling me about a guy with a cart that was very reminiscent of 77 days in september
3: oh yeah you're talking about this i, I read the, the bit of the bio or bio what's that Prelog, log synapsis thing summary <laughs> book summary but yeah, the guy was traveling with the cart, and I met I met a fellow in Quebec, and he was like a, an older guy wearing like real short, like Daisy Duke cutoffs, and uh, big beard, and he looked kind of maybe like he's a homeless guy. I don't really know what's going on with the story, but he had this like cart, like kind of like the size, of like you know, those like ice cream guys would ride, or it's like part BMX bike, part cart. Uh, and the ice cream would come out of the front. He had something like that, and it was just basically his whole system. He he'd have just like a shopping cart handle on this thing, and had two bicycle wheels and a big aluminum lid that would open up, and inside there had everything he needed. So he wasn't worried about carrying a little bit of extra weight, and because it didn't affect him the same way, and he just pushed it along the side of the road. He was he was traveling a long way too. I don't know his whole trajectory but he had done a lot of traveling all around the world. Um, and he was on his way through Quebec at the time. And he was actually collecting bottles from the side of the road to sustain himself. Um, I don't think he was formally working, but like you pick up empties and you put them in the cart. And then when you hit a town, you unload the empties, make a few bucks and carry on. So I'm sure he's taking change from that side of the road, but we were walking on opposite sides. So we didn't interfere with each other's business. But he was like... <laughs> so,
2: out of everything that you you had, some stuff you got rid of, yeah. whatever, but were there two, maybe three critical pieces of equipment that you absolutely could not have done what you did if you didn't have them with
3: you? Ah. Uh, like, that I, I needed, needed, or like, I didn't really need, but... No, you, need, you needed, needed. I needed, needed. Well, the clothing and the socks part is, like, is so key. Um, oh, yeah. So when I started, I, 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 I spent some money on a real nice shell. Vortex, fancy pants. I, I think half the money I spent on my gear was on the shell. And I decided about a month in, screw the shell. Um, this is not the ideal thing. So if you're wearing, imagine yourself wearing a backpack, you've got a really the best, imagine the best shell that could exist in today's markets. And it's maybe even your backpack is waterproof and everything sort of. And uh, for a while anyway, and then it's raining and all that rain is running down your neck between your back and the pack and sitting there and your back gets soaked is that whole backside her pack gets soaked um so you're spending all this money all this year and it's you're still getting wet so my solution then and still to this day hiking is the poncho um you get one of those like even those they have nicer ones now but those those standard vinyl like heavier ponchos put it on your head you throw the whole part over your whole back and shoulders and let it drape over the backpack and it'll go just to like the bottom of the pack and the front part's a little long and you can probably finagle (laughs) kind of jerry-rig the snaps so you can get them to snap like high and low on one side and uh so basically what it does is all that rain sheds over your pack and it drops behind you like behind your butt so, when you're walking, even the back of your legs kind of have like this rain shadow. It's like kind of like having an umbrella. Um, and even though the front's a little bit longer, too, so the front of your legs stay fairly dry. So, you're like your junk is dry, uh, right? You don't have this water running down into your pants, um, uh, from the top down. You're getting lost, less water running down your legs into your boots. So, the poncho, I would say, is an indispensable thing. So, and it's, it's, you know, like, eight bucks um and i would say i would if i was wearing those was like even the winter time i'd bitch the shell for one of those any day of the week so yeah the poncho i would say was one of those like things of sleepers you didn't really think about but man yeah uh that was the right the right call um, i don't know who got me onto that somebody mentioned something once and it's yeah and did not forget that Yeah. Like
2: any anything else you could think of that was you know like like like
3: like you mentioned um, the bear ran
2: away with your pots and pans like uh, i guess yeah you could have found another way to maybe cook something but
3: yeah i guess so you know can over the fire for a while uh we didn't really actually have fires um partly because you're lighting a fire in somewhere that's not really a clearing and i don't know i had maybe a couple fires along the way it was like an occasion when we ran into ran into this one. because I, so I would I would have thought
2: maybe um, you'd have you'd have a frequent fire, a way to cook something and,
3: and yeah, we and some warmth and yeah. So I carried a gas stove, like a white gas stove, as my main. Uh, you know, boil up water in the morning, boil up water in the evening is a pain. I I don't really love it. It's heavy. Um, I think I may I would practice a bit first. But one of those like little stoves that you can just burn whatever crud you find and they I forget what they're called. Like it's got a bit of a bit of a wood gasification in it. I was actually listening to your wood gasification. Like a a, like
2: a, like, a, like a they call them um, bio lights, I think is what you're you're talking about. And you can yeah, like, yeah. Put a Buy, pan on the top and
3: yeah. yeah, you put a pan on the top and you're it's it's a bit of a wood gas fire at the same time. So it's a, it's a more efficient burn and you can like burn pine cones little bits of sticks and stuff. Okay. I would be I would consider something like that because that's going to really drop weight and drop that having to find fuel and deal with that. Sure. It's not fuel dense and there's, there's going to be times where it's going to be pouring and rain and not really ideal. You may have to make do, but they, the weight save may be worth it to you. And you're not lighting a fire on the ground um, the same way. So, so how, much did to pick Scott, up
0: leave. how much did Scott pay you to say wood gasifier?
3: Three bucks. Um, he says, That's this it. will buy a tall one. It's <laughs> not cheap. Yeah. Three bucks is three bucks, man. Uh, and, uh, the,
1: the center wasn't even in the middle of the toonie.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's trying to do me. It's a loonie and like a toonie. You can see he's, he's like holding that different distances. Like <laughs> I know what you're giving me. <laughs> so
2: this goes on for a long time. And obviously, it's tough mentally as well. Did you ever get to the point where you were like, yeah, you know what? It was a great try and whatever, but I'm
3: I'm done. I think mentally the first big hurdle is about 2 weeks in. 2 weeks in you haven't you're kind of getting your system in order and you miss what you just had, you know, you miss your friends, you miss what you were doing. Um, you know, you're kind of out of your element a little bit. Like, even though you're finding this new groove, you, you miss a lot. That was hard. I remember laying up looking at the stars and feeling like I was really, I wasn't considering quitting, but it was hard. That was a hard night. Um, and that was it. I just was like, but then I was in it and there's, it definitely gets hard. Um, at times, like, when you're hiking with one like we are two people hiking this and we're never i don't know like you maybe you've lived with somebody or maybe you're married but you're together a lot but you know you have you go to work or you leave the house and get something and come back but we were always with an eyesight of uh, one another the entire time and that gets hard too just because there's nothing new to talk about for starters, like everything that happened to you today, it totally happened to the other person and they saw it. They were like eight feet away. So like there's, that's, that gets hard uh, too. Like there's a, that's definitely a, that gets tough. Even though you can be great friends and you're otherwise get along fine. Just it, that can be tough. Um And I think there is, yeah, you kind of, that would be a little bit of a challenge, but I never really thought about quitting. Um, that really wasn't an option I was pretty hard-nosed about this was happening Um, yeah that wasn't really up for debate but yeah definitely it's there's times and I think when before I took a break in Sudbury I was I was losing it I was just I don't know what happened my body was shutting down and I I couldn't it was like I was drunk but I wasn't I just couldn't walk a straight line I don't know I was was falling apart psychologically I think I needed to Need the beer. <laughs> I uh, but I was I was okay when I came back. It was fine. <laughs> Need a day off, maybe. Um, yeah. I forgot what else I was going to talk about. Oh, I I think there was something I did want to mention. Um, because I, I think when we talk a lot about this prepper stuff and like I, I don't know I I've, I've only listened to a bit of your show. I'm sorry I haven't listened to all 148 prior to this, but you know the one of the this other piece of about, like what's that critical piece of gear. And then the other piece, the, the other critical piece I think is really the people. If you're going to walk a long way, you're going to meet people. You're, you're, you have to like, and the fewer you meet people, the more you're going to rely on them as well. Or maybe those more important, those relationships are like, even if they're just brief. So those encounters become really important. So how you kind of are and like, meeting people and just making that I don't know that was that was a really important piece and something we enjoyed but also like really important for the success of our trip we learned you know we avoided a lot of danger in the Rockies by talking to locals people around know the area more than anything else you kind of get the the vibe of what's going on in an area but really the sort of underrated part is I think just talking to people as you as you meet them, and like you learn a lot along the way, and that was that was a really big piece, and it, just a big add, the whole experience uh, as well. So even if you're setting out, even I spend a lot of time in the bush by myself, but I'm oddly social um, with the very few people who are around <laughs> as well. So it, it is even on something like this that seems like very independent potentially, and like uh, isolated. Those relationships are whatever they may be even in passing are quite important. So, yeah. Sorry, you're gonna ask something I forgot. Uh, I got distracted again.
0: <laughs> I, was gonna oh, say, I, I, I just think that's a really good point uh, that you brought up of, yeah, when you're walking, you're gonna run into people and how you approach them and how you talk to them is, is gonna play a role in how they respond to you and how willing yeah. they are to kind of help you out but inherently people tend to want to help you out, which is, which is nice. Uh, but yeah, definitely not being afraid to walk up and expect, you know, maybe they're not going to help me, but if I don't ask, I'm never going to know.
3: Yeah. I I've kind of, when it comes to the water and stuff, I was relying on people. I was relying on the kindness of strangers to like, help me out with the water situation and even help me out. Like maybe where I'm going to stay that night. Sometimes it's a bit of a jam and you kind of want to that's cool Like, if I'm down the road up on that round of the bend, there is anyone care? Um, I don't know. You, you, you get the sense of what's going on. Um, but yeah, a real big, a real big piece. And who knows what you learn? I was getting ready to like, climb under a bridge. I was the other time I was sleeping, kind of sleep under a bridge, and in uh, and Quebec. Cool and this guy's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, nothing. Just checking the other side of the bridge." He's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'm not crazy or anything." I'm like, "Well." Said he wasn't crazy. What have you got? <laughs> and, uh, so, what could go uh, wrong? What yeah. could go wrong? He seems fine. And uh, we actually had a great chat. And uh, we end up staying with him and his uh, uncle, this right on the St. Lawrence River that night, and uh, drinking cherry wine and smoking cigars. And he was talking about how he wanted to do this trip, and he was gonna use his designing this cart. He wanted to show me this design for this cart he was building, that was gonna be. It actually had a that open that he could like sleep in at night, which I thought was a really clever design, very just like pack up and go like there's no packing up and going you just shut the door and away you go. I thought it was a really interesting idea. He showed me all the sketches and everything it was a really interesting happenstance encounter um that you don't really you wouldn't get if you weren't open to it if you were you know holding staying holding your cards close to your chest It's just have to kind of i don't know so much of that just happened organically uh, along the way.
1: That's absolutely fantastic, buddy. I, I think this is such a, a neat experience for us to all learn from. I mean, in the context, if we had to do this, like that's, that's exactly it. We'd all be so reliant on each other, and uh, that's,
3: that's pretty cool. Don't carry 80 pounds. <laughs> 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 don't, don't be the first chump to carry deodorant. Just let everyone else suffer is the moral of the story. <laughs> uh, you'll be fine. You'll get used to your own foulness. <laughs> uh,
0: no, that is awesome. Thanks for taking the time, Mike, to, uh, to walk us through your story. Oh, thank you, guys. Give everybody yeah. kind of a couple of few tips here and there. because I think it really does kind of paint a picture as to what you can expect and You know, it's, it's a matter of not packing a million things, but packing what you need and relying on people. You're going to have to. Yeah. And you'll figure out what you
3: don't need. It's all you'll think about. You'll, you'll work out the bugs.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I think it's a lot of really good information that, uh, that everybody's going to be able to put to use for sure. Well, with that, shall we, uh, shall we move into the podcast challenge
1: this week? Our challenge to you guys go take a walk. Any distance, it doesn't matter. Just get out there and take a good long walk.
0: Don't bring deodorant.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that.
1: And you'll be fine. I thought that was the
0: deal of the week.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: deodorant. <laughs> yeah, let's move to the deal of the week, mm-hmm. shall
2: we? Yeah, well, you know, Costco probably sells them in a four-pack or a five-pack, you know.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: Carry five or of six. And that should get you across the country, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Carry them all at once, you know. Prior
2: to
3: a set. <laughs> uh, so, the deal of the week, uh,
2: Princess Auto has uh, booster cables on sale, 20 foot, two gauge booster cables for uh eighteen eighty-eight. So, a if you don't have price. a set in your vehicle, you should always have uh, booster cables, anyways, or give them to your significant other as a Christmas present or a birthday present. They will love you forever
3: for it. that's my mama always used to say you don't know what to get booster cables
0: there you go (laughs) we'll move into some shout outs here so uh, yeah just quick shout out to Mike for coming out uh, tonight sharing your story with us and passing along a couple of tips and tricks that I'm sure is going to help a lot of people just uh, maybe whittle down their packs a little bit or maybe even go and decide to take the walk themselves so thanks again for coming out
3: yeah thank you thank you guys Appreciate
1: it. Uh, I want to shout out my Meg. uh, I've had a rough couple of weeks, and they've been awesome. Uh, I also want to shout out Eric. If you guys are listening to this on the podcast and don't see the visual, he's been muted and laughing his ass off this entire time.
0: So well done, Mike. (laughs) It's true. I've got a good chuckle this evening. It's been great. And
2: I've got a shout out to... uh... Uh, Kevin and Caroline and the rest of the crew from the Simcoe Preparedness and Resiliency Community, kind of a, a bit of a prepper community in my local area. Um, been following them on Facebook for a while, giving them some ideas here and there, and uh, they organized a meet and greet today, so it was nice to actually sit down face-to-face, have a conversation with like-minded preppers and exchange ideas.
0: Yeah, it's a great group to, to hang out with. I, I wasn't able to make it out to the coffee meet and greet to uh... Today, but um, there's a Facebook group. So, if anybody's looking for uh, like minded people to, uh, to chat with, you don't have to be in the, the Simcoe area, wherever you can. Uh, if you're on the Book of Faces, there they are there. So, come on over and, and chat. Uh, the inbox was dry for email, and uh, no iTunes reviews, no five stars, one stars, three stars, or anything. So, nothing to report there. Uh, So with that, I will bring episode number 149 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Please help us out. Take a second, submit a review. It helps other people find us and gives me something to read near the end of the show.
2: And we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. It gives you an alert when we are going live. If you want to reach me, you can just uh, send a generic message, uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca, and if Eric feels like it, I will get the message.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Can't guarantee it.
1: Feedback at prepperpodcast.ca also works for Scott. And if you're looking to get in touch with Mike, we can uh, we can get in touch with him through the address. We,
0: we know where to find you, buddy. Thanks. Yeah. For yeah. you two gentlemen, I will forward the messages no problem. Jeff is still questionable. <laughs> yeah, well. And uh, for me, you can uh, find me on the live chat at uh, rapidsurvival.com. You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, Thanks for joining us this evening. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.